16. Father, thank you for a great night uh, to worship and to enjoy our children learning to be worshipers, Lord. Many of them probably on the stage who are yet to really experience true salvation. And yet, Lord, moms and dads, and here a church comes alongside them to help them, is teaching and helping raise worshipers, Lord. So what a joy to sing, see the little ones sing truth, Lord. We pray you would instill that deep in their heart at young ages. Cause them to love you at young ages. And don't let them go through sinful things that hurt them, Lord, and give them hard consequences. Cause them to love you at young ages. And so we pray for our children's ministry here. May you use it greatly, Lord. Help us to be ready to help and serve and care and give parents a little bit of relief at times, Lord. And so we pray that you would continue to use this ministry here. Lord, we thank you for the Bible. It's so fun to open our Bibles and know that we're hearing you. Uh, not man's wisdom or worldly wisdom. We get to hear from you each and every time we look into your word, whether privately or corporately. So tonight as we look into it, bless, bless the teaching of your word, Lord. Let it grab our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Entitled the sermon, Those Cleansed of the Disease of Sin worship God's way. Last week we were in Leviticus 13 and it was a, a challenging chapter because we really looked at the nature of leprosy and, 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 and really what's tied to that is the nature of sin. God used leprosy to show how desperate man is, how sick he is, the sentence of death upon him. To have leprosy, we said, was the sentence of death. Most died from it. There was little hope. We looked at that very deeply last week. But chapter 14, now we begin to see where the cleansing of a leper, that there were lepers that were cleansed. And what a beautiful thing this is. You say, Scott, how do you get to this? I've talked about this many times. You will hear me keep talking about it. I love biblical theology. Because biblical theology looks at the Old Testament as it flows towards the cross, cross and we get to see the gospel. And so let me give you a little more hint. I was thinking about this today, uh, how I want to explain that. I take certain verses... And I may even write them out and put them by my Bible as I'm looking at a difficult text to teach on like leprosy. And so here would be a passage that I would set in front of Leviticus 13 and 14 as I'm studying to help me see the crystal-centric nature of it, the, the salvation that's in there. So here's a verse that I would, how I would use to do this. You know this verse. I'm not going to give you the passage. You'll know where it comes from. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show his surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So that would be a verse that I would put in front of an Old Testament passage. I'm looking for that truth in that text, how God is going to illustrate it through a story, an event, what it's doing to point, point towards the kindness and grace of God. That's how we handle biblical theology. Maybe another verse that I would often stick in front of myself would be something like Hebrews chapter 9, 13 through 14. But for if the blood of goats and bulls and ashes of a heifer sprinkled those who had been defiled were sanctified by the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Jesus, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, listen to this, 
cleansing your conscience from dead works to serve a living God. Now that's a verse that I brought right to this text because what, what got me is I said, okay, Lord, where are the passages in the New Testament where the word cleansing is used? Because that's what this passage is about. Chapter 14 is about the cleansing of a leper. And so I begin to think about this. And yes, we're going to see a sacrifice in there of lambs and, and, and some birds and so forth like that. But how much more? How much greater is the cleansing of Christ's blood? So then we can look at the Old Testament and we can see the gospel in it. And it's not just a boring track through the book of Leviticus. It's a gospel experience. Do you get that? Read your Bible with a gospel experience. Even these great Old Testament texts that are often hard for us to get through in our weekly reading. Well, the Bible reminds us that Jesus Christ, faith in Christ, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And that's certainly a theme here. So, again, this is a long chapter. The first couple of points I'll really sit down on, and then we'll speed through the rest of the chapter in Leviticus chapter 14. Our first thought tonight. We are in the hands of a compassionate high priest. We are in the hands of a compassionate high priest. If you're in Leviticus 14, look at the first four verses with me. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be the law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. Now he shall be bought, brought to the priest and the priest shall go out to the outside of the camp and thus the priest shall, priest shall look and if the infection of the leprosy has been healed in the leper, then the priest shall give orders to take two living Two live, clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet string and hyssop for the one who is to be cleansed. Well, here now we, we come to this point where we see the, the, the cleansing of a leper. The last week was, was difficult. We went through that passage and we realized how bad leprosy was and how, how it viewed man in his depravity and, and with no hope. But here we find the cleansing of the leper. As I studied this passage um, and reading, reading much on it, uh, there was a lot of people down through Christendom that actually looked at this passage and, and tried to emulate this passage in order to gain healing from something. And, and that's typical of, of some Christianity, that they're always trying to gain something um, by some kind of remedy. But the, the passage is actually in a response. This is a response to the person who has been healed. This is what God tells them to do. And we see the instructions of how they are pronounced clean in this. Now, notice first that the leper um, who believed, um, he was now healed. He was directed to the priest. You see that in these first couple of verses. And most likely he would go to the city gate. And there he would ask for the priest to meet him. Now, notice he does not go to the tabernacle. He'll do that in a little bit. He, that comes later. But most likely, he would come to the city gate, keep his distance, because he wasn't allowed to be next to anybody. And from there, he would beckon and call somebody and stand far off from them and ask them personally to go get the priest for him. Now, certainly, this was probably challenging. Nobody wants to talk to you. Nobody wants to hear from you. Nobody wants to even be close to you. So there possibly was this long waiting for somebody to go get a priest. And, and the priests were extremely busy. Their sacrifices going on. And depending on what time of year was going on, it had been very difficult to get a hold of one. And so they waited there. And possibly they waited for quite some time. And they wondered 
will they come? Will the priest even listen to me? You imagine coming time and time again, hoping you were clean, hoping that those scabs were now there and, the, and it was gone. And that priest says, no, you are unclean. Depart. Separate yourself from the community. Maybe this happened many times. And the fear of that statement, unclean again, and sent off as he stood there and waited for the priest, doubtlessly went to his heart. Had to be great anxiety. And in fact, really what he's doing is he's in the land of the dead. That's those who are separated, the lepers out there. He's looking into the land of the living. In fact, there's a gate there that keeps him from going in. The illustration's easy, isn't it? That's us dead in our sins. We need somebody to cleanse us. We need somebody to do what we cannot do. Establish us that we are cleansed. You can imagine the anxiety that this person would go through. But isn't it unbelievable when you think about the high priest we have? We think about his preeminence over all things. He's never too busy to hear you. You want to repent of your sins? He's there. You want to cry out to your high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ? He's there. He's never unwilling. He's never slow or slack in patience, the Bible says about him. He's certainly never unable to meet our desperate needs. Look with me at Luke chapter 17. This is one of the occasions where Jesus has a contact with some lepers. Probably my favorite story of all of the times Jesus ran into those with leprosy. Luke chapter 17 verse 11 now while he was on the way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria, Samaria and Galilee. So he's up north. He's working his way south. And as he entered a village, then ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. So we saw that last week. Remember, they were just stay apart. They were not supposed to be near anyone. And these lepers had been pushed out of society. They lived in probably a colony. And they knew not to even approach Jesus to come too close to him. Verse 13. And notice they raise their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Epistatus is the word for master. I love the word epistasis. You know why? Because uh, it's often translated chief or commander. And so when I translate it often when I'm working through a Greek text, I go, that's the truth. Chief and commander, the commander chief. <laughs> he's, he's greater than any commander chief we have or have ever had. And see, these lepers, they know that. They call Jesus the commander in chief. You are the master. We know you have mercy and you can give it to us. What an amazing scene here. Look at verse 14. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priest. No change of the law. He's doing exactly what the law said. Remember, Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to abolish it. He knows God's perfect word, a perfect plan for these men physically, but he has spiritual things in their mind for them. And so he tells them to go show themselves to the priest. And as they were going, they obeyed him. They were cleansed. What an amazing thing. They went. They, they, they went along the biblical protocol, and as they obeyed and went, there was cleansing there. Now verse 15. 
Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back and he glorified God with a loud voice. I'll come back to this text in a minute. But you see the compassion that Jesus has. I, I don't think as I studied this account, and we're going to look at the account a little bit later in the message, that there's only really one other account that we see this fulfilled in scriptures. But doubtlessly, you think about a man who was so grotesque, so, so set apart from society, so dirty and, 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 and unclean to man. Do you think anybody ran to him to help him? Do you think the guy at the gate said, oh, I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably get to you when I can. But not our Savior. Our Savior had a divine appointment with these ten men, didn't he? See, many times our Lord, he even failed to eat himself. He comes into Samaria, he's hungry, he sends the men in to, to go get food. And, and there he meets with a Samaritan woman, another reject, a half-breed. One who had had many husbands, a prostitute by all, by any form, Lord, as you study him, study her. And yet the Lord gives up eating that day because he wants to minister to her. We see our Lord in the frailty of his humanity. He suffered in humanity just like us, but he kept showing compassion. That's what Jesus did. He was the greatest of all high priests. And think about him when he hung on the cross. He's there in human form, suffering in humanity, feeling everything that happened to him. And then under the darkest approaching cloud of his father's wrath and death sentence, he hears the sigh of his mother. I mean, isn't that true? And he turns to his mother and says, Mother... Behold your son. He cares for her finishing days and puts her in the care and under the authority of the Apostle John. He heard the anguish of her heart and he had compassion on her. And so Jesus is this beautiful high priest who, who never hinders to give grace and mercy on a society that often wants nothing to do with it. Notice in verse 4 in Leviticus 14, that the priest was to direct the leper to take two clean birds. And he was also to have a piece of a cedar wood with him. And cedar wood is, um, you probably had uh, salmon on a cedar plank probably around here. On the ranch, we loved cedar posts. We would make cedar posts because they would last in the ground. They, they didn't decay easy. They, they fought off disease. And you could put a cedar post in the ground, it would last 20, 30 years. Where even we would watch metal posts get eaten in the dirt and the soil. And so they're told to bring this bird and this cedar plank of some sort. They're also told to have a scarlet string. Notice that. Probably of the same material used to the curtains and the veil in the tabernacle. Its coloring probably symbolizes blood. And then they're to have this hyssop branch. That was always used for the sprinkling of blood and water. It was used as a cleansing agent himself. I got thinking about that. My mind ran to Psalms 70, excuse me, um, 51, 7, where David says, cleanse me with hyssop. And for the first time, here's what I thought. I wrote in my notes this. David most likely was admitting that his sins were worse than leprosy. He, that's never used anywhere else. And so here this plant that is often used for scrubbing and cleansing, David says, I'm worse than a leper. 
and God still cleanses me. Well, second thought as we move along in this long passage, um, we need the living water, and listen to this, and the scapebird for our proclamation of cleansing. Look at verses 5 through 7 with me. The priest also gave orders to slay the one bird in an earthenware vessel over running water. And as for the live bird, he shall take it together with the cedar wood and the scarlet string and the, string and the hyssop and shall dip them in the live bird in the blood of the bird that was slain over the running water. And he shall then sprinkle seven times for the one who is to be cleansed from leprosy and shall pronounce him clean and shall, and, and shall let the live bird go free in the open field. Well, this method that displayed the healing of the cleansed leper could not be just shown in one type. God here wants it shown in two types. He wants it shown in, in one that uh, is cleansed, and, and, and so he takes two birds, one bird of death and one bird of life. Isn't that fascinating? I'll come back to the minute. He also uses this word running water. The, the Hebrew means living water when you look at it. I mean, not stagnant. This was to be fresh water. And I thought, I wonder where they got this. Could they possibly, that stream where God brought the water gushing out of the rock, could that still have been there? Because where else would these millions of people be getting water from? Maybe even from that stone where the living water flowed was pictured here. And certainly the living water prefigures Jesus Christ who alone could provide this spiritual refreshing that we need. The cleansing of regeneration that God gives. Well, this living water was to be put in this earthen pot, right? And we study the Old Testament and New Testament. Both Testaments talk about us being the pot and him being the potter. 2 Corinthians 4 says it this way, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not of ourselves. And so the pot is just the pot. It's what's in the pot that's incredible. And in this pot here in this example is this living water in blood of an innocent animal to cleanse. Oh, it's all pointing towards that grace that we talked about in Ephesians 2. Well, notice the first, the clean bird. This bird bears the uncleanness of the leper. He's now slain, and the blood, as you see here, is dripped into this clear living water. And here, there, there becomes two that, want, that carry together life-giving blood and living water mixed together. And the payment for being cleansed from death required this, this stream of blood, this living water, this blood that came from an innocent, undeserving sacrifice that took the place of that one. And this is what brought cleansing. There's no way to know for sure if this is what John talked about when Jesus died on the cross. The Bible says that after his death in John 9, 1934, that one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water came out. This is one of the few places in the Old Testament that these two terms are put together. Obviously, we need our Savior's life-giving blood, don't we? We need his death where he shed his blood in order to give us life. And we need his 
cleansing water, that water that he said he was. He, he was the living water that can cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what's interesting is right before his death, they take a branch, a hyssop branch, and they put sour rind on it, and they lift it up to him. He drinks of that, and then he says, it's finished. And he gave, he gave up his spirit. So we see this role of water and blood and hyssop and uh, uh, cedar. I mean, our, our Lord was, was nailed on a tree. I wonder sometimes if that, that wood was cedar. Notice in verse 6 that the living bird is now brought into the picture. You see this here. It was dipped in the blood of the sacrifice of the first, blood, first bird and in that living water. And soon this bird would be set free and he would rise to the heavens. And it seems clear that there is a picture of death and burial and resurrection. That seems all very prevalent in this. Seems to point towards the Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't it? But before the living bird is released, it is dipped with this cedar plank and this scarlet string and this hyssop. And again, I think the cedar plank um, is something that is resistant to disease. And so, so now this living bird is tied to this plank with this scarlet string and probably tail down. And he's, he's now dipped into this cleansing water. And here we see where this leopard is claimed clean. Now, notice in verse 7, it seems that the priests would have bound this bird, did all this. But, but as he does, I mean, can you imagine? Just think how bad of life this was. You're, you can't see your family. You can't see your friends. You live in a leper colony. Think how bad it was. And think of these words that we see in verse 7 where that now this priest, as he lets this bird go, pronounces this man clean. I, I love to think about these because I think about my salvation. There was a day where God applied the blood of his son to Scott Menez and he flew away from his disease and sin. He became free of all of that. Can you imagine this man or this woman? Maybe body parts have fallen out. Who knows what this person looks like at this point? But oh, those words, you're clean, you're pure, you're holy. The illustration of death and resurrection is obvious here, isn't it? And God's given a preview of the Day of Atonement that's coming. And here we see this, this bird, the death bird, and then you have the scape bird. Remember, we're going to have the scapegoat, right? We were laughing about this a little bit. I was sharing with this with the staff Tuesday. And I said, hey, there's a scape bird. And somebody goes, there's a scape bird? I know there's a scapegoat. There's a scape bird. And that's what this bird is, right? There's a bird of death. He dies. His blood goes in with this living water. And then there's this scape bird that flies away that shows that it's free from sin. And it's never to return to it. How precious this scene is when we tie it to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Christ really fulfilled both of those, didn't he? Jesus Christ steps out of heaven, hangs flesh on himself, right? He becomes incarnate. He now is fully man, so he can fully die. And he can be judged in our place as a true representative of us. And so he's the death bird in a lot of ways. 
but he also beats death and he flies away. And so there's, there's this great view of Christ here as well as a view of the cleaned, cleansed one as well. Well, third thought, our, our cleansing, in our cleansing, all things become new. Look at verses 8 and 9 with me. The one to be cleansed shall then wash his clothes and shave off all of his hair and bathe his water, bathe in the water and be clean. Now afterwards he may enter the camp, but he shall stay outside his tent for seven days. And it will be on the seventh day that he will shave off all of his hair and his, shave his head and his beard and his eyebrows, even all of his hair. And he shall, be, and he shall then wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and be clean. Well, the picture here is like a newborn babe. Some babies <laughs> are born really bald. <laughs> um, and this is the idea here. Things are completely put off. It is the old man and the old clothes and anything that resembled something that was stained by disease. This really sad and lonely life is to be put off now. See, everything's becoming new. Even the skin and the body was shed the disease and the skin was now new. And as the bird flew away, the former leper would strip away his former life. The New Testament says it this way, Therefore, as there is anyone in Christ Jesus, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This leopard who had a sentence of death upon him is now clean and has life. Man, what a day that would have been. What a day. And what hope God was giving in what seemed to be the most impossible situation. Here's God showing in an Old Testament text that I am the God of hope. I can take the wretched and make them clean. See, that's always been the message. The disease-written, the unclean, the outcast, the death sentence, all without hope, our Lord Jesus Christ can cleanse and set free from disease. He overturns death sentences. Isn't that amazing? He overturned your death sentence. He pardoned you. And you flew away. Free. This is what he does. And notice he doesn't only just pardon you. Look what he does in the text. He returns you to the, to the community of the cleansed. So you don't get saved and then just live out in the world. You get saved and you become a member of the church, don't you? You're with the rest of the cleansed, and we rejoice together, and we go to tabernacle together, and we sing together, and we offer up sacrifices of praise together, because now we're part of a cleansed community. Oh, for people to get saved and not be a part of a church probably means they may not be saved. They're still out with the lepers. Why would you do that? Oh, no. When we're cleansed, we want to be with the cleansed community. Well, the whole scene, as you can see, describes our Lord in so many ways. Jesus was sacrificed outside the camp. All of this takes place outside the camp. He's not yet into the tabernacle. That's coming. All of this takes place outside the camp. That's what Jesus did. Hebrews chapter 13, 11 through 13 tells us. Jesus was the man from heaven, came from heaven, and returned to heaven. That bird came from the heavens at one point, flying around. He was captured and then became the scape bird, and he returned to the heavens. Jesus uh, remained, uh, he, he remained cleansed and holy, even though, even though he took on the wages of sin, even though 
2 Corinthians 5, 21 says that he became sin for us. He was still not a sinner. He was the scapebird. Jesus came by water and blood. He was born into this world. He was born naturally. He came into that world there. And he died. And, and when they plunged that spear in his side, water and blood came out. There's, there's such a close association with it, isn't this? Jesus died in association with a scarlet cloth. Matthew 27, verse 28 says they hung a scarlet robe on him and mocked him. Jesus died in association with wood. John chapter 19, 17 and 18 says they made him bear his own cross. A cross of wood, as I said earlier. I wonder if that was cedar. Jesus died in association with a last drink on the hyssop. John chapter 19, they hold that branch of hyssop with sour wine on just before he says it's finished. Jesus lived bearing the marks of death upon him. John chapter 20, verse 27, he showed the marks of the nails to Thomas. There is a sense in which the living bird set free points to the resurrected Christ, but, but it also points to the healed. It really does. As I studied this, I thought, that's us, Lord. We now are, we have the ability to, to, to have sin, be resistance to sin now. We have the ability through Jesus Christ and the word of God and the Holy Spirit we can be resistance to sin. Before we were saved, we could not resist sin. It owned us. But now we do. We don't have to sin. We have the ability to be free from this. And, and it, we're free from it from the, the great work, the finished work of Jesus Christ. And someday he'll resurrect us as he resurrected his own son. God will do that. Fourth, the blood of another transforms the diseased body to a worshiping body. The blood of another transforms a diseased body to a worshiping body. Verses 10 through 14, and I have to pick up the pace a little bit, so just look at this as I try to explain these passages. In verses 10 and 11, we see the cleansed lepers now coming to the tabernacle. Now he comes to the temple. And on the eighth day after the cleansing of the leper, he or she now brings these lambs. There's two male, male lambs and one female lamb, and they bring flour and oil for sacrifice. This was a massive expense, I thought about when I looked at this for a leper. If their family wasn't wealthy, how, I mean, it's amazing how much this would have been for someone who could not work, could not really earn a great amount of living. But here where they were told to bring three lambs, flour, and oil. Consolation was made for the poorer lepers. We'll see that in verses 21 through 32. But remember, the leper is now returning to public worship for the very first time. He's been, he's been set outside. He can't go to sacrifice. He can't go to festivals. He can't be among the living in the community of cleansed. And so the first time he's there... And he's following God out of obedience. And I would imagine he would give anything. He would be so grateful for his freedom that he now has. So he doesn't withhold. He's not there to withhold. He's not been saved to say, well, this is mine. That's not, I don't want to give. This leper 
would be like the leper who turned back to find Jesus. Full of gratitude, ready to give to the Lord what the Lord wanted. Flour was somewhat expensive. It's hard to understand some of these Old Testament terms, and there's lots of different charts and graphs, but all I could find out it was somewhere between 5 and 20 pounds of flour that would have been brought. The oil would have been very expensive, and this was 10 to 12 ounces of oil. As costly as these sacrifices were, the true cleansed leper would rejoice to give such gifts to the Lord. None of these sacrifices could have taken place if the former leper was not completely cleansed. He could not offer up this sacrifice to God if he was not cleansed. And listen, we cannot offer up true sacrifice of the of, the li- of our lips if we're not truly saved. It's the mark of a saved person. We sing. We speak truth. See, we've been set free and cleansed, and so the mark of a cleansed person is you proclaim the goodness of God. You proclaim the glory of Christ. And though it was the high priest here making this declaration of this leper being cleansed, that proclamation was made because they followed God's word. Everything about this cleansed leopard is he is there because everyone followed God's word. They didn't do it their own way. See, remember the ceremony of the skatebird, how it took place outside the camp. But this ritual, now this this is right in, in the doorway of the tabernacle. Look at that in these verses. It's right there. And so it's this public pronouncement. So outside this ritual took place and these two birds, one died and one was released. That's all outside the camp. Maybe minimal people seeing it. But this one, God wanted all of the people, all of the cleansed community to see that this guy, this gal, she was cleansed. Ah, that's just beautiful. I think that's a little bit like baptism. When somebody's baptized, they stand here and they say to all of the church body, their family and friends, and they say, God has saved me through Jesus Christ alone. It's in the door of the tabernacle telling everyone, I'm free of my sin. It's just such great pronouncement. There's a beautiful moment here of the cleansed leopard I I thought about him today. I thought, well, who was standing there watching? Maybe his children? Maybe his grandchildren? Maybe family members? Maybe some who were struggling to follow God's will, to follow God's truth. Some who were doing it ritualistically and not serving the Lord with a heart. Maybe there were many different types of people there. But for this man, he was proclaimed. And what joy he would have had as his cleansing was proclaimed to all. Look at verses 12 through 14, just as you glance at those, here's what's taking place. First, now this male lamb is offered according to the instructions of chapter 5 and some of chapter 7 here. Notice the meat's given to the priest, not to the restored leper, and that's because it's not a burnt offering. The cleansing's already been done. In fact, something very dramatic happens here, and really a, a break from the normal trespass or guilt offering here happens on one, on behalf of the restored leper, now the priest takes some of the blood. And this is really interesting. We only see this in, in the ceremony of the priest. But here, now in this ceremony, the priest takes the blood from the first sacrifice lamb and applies it to the body of the cleansed leper. 
It's very similar to the priest um, consecration ceremony. However, here, for the leper, the blood is now put on his right ear, and that reminds him to listen to God. Listen to the one who has now proclaimed you clean. The blood is put on the right thumb. That would have been the authority, right? This was telling this cleansed leper to follow the will of God, not his own. The blood was applied to the cleansed leper's big toe, big right toe, and to remind him, follow God, walk with him, get behind him, do things his way, follow his path. See, all this is done to show that this cleansed leper had a special calling now. You go, well, how do you know that? Because this is exactly what was done to the priest. Isn't that interesting? Nobody else but priests and cleansed people, cleansed from leprosy, get this done to them. I, thought, I sat there and thought, I go, that's amazing, God. You mark the cleansed people, people who are free now from the sentence of death. You mark us on their ears so we'll listen to you. Mark us on our thumbs so we'll, we'll give you the authority in our life. You mark us on our toes so we'll walk after you. That's beautiful, isn't it? See, all this is done to show that he has a special calling. He has a special anointing, just like the priest. He's marked on a that his life has been radically changed. In all reality, this cleansed leper has been born again. Wouldn't you say that? He's got a new life. <laughs> that last life was terrible. It's out there with the dying. He has a new life. We read last Sunday, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, the last verse of that text, for you have been bought with a price. Now glorify God with your body. And the priest was saying, glorify God with your ears. Glorify God with your authority. Glorify God with your feet. Use your whole body to glorify the Lord. He's rescued you from certain death. See, the blood of the innocent had to pay the price for the freedom of the leper. And the result was liberty. And the desire of the cleanse should be to glorify God with our bodies, with our head, with our feet, and certainly with our heart and minds. Five, the Spirit identifies the cleansed and anoints them for service. Look at verses 15 through 18. Again, put your eyes on the text as I explain these. The lack of time to read all this. But much like the blood of the priests, there was oil now. This oil they brought was now taken with the fingers of the priest and it was thrown out before the Lord, just sprayed out before the Lord. It was not put on the leper at first, it was given to the Lord, this very costly sacrifice. And then the priest now would apply, look what he does now, he applies that rest of that oil to the right ear, to the right thumb, and to the big toe again. And we know all through the, even the Old Testament, we see the work of the Holy Spirit as an anointing work. It's always, always associated when oil is put on somebody with the anointing work of the Holy Spirit. We see that in both Testaments. So oil often in the Old Testament represented healing and restoration. Oil was in lamps to remind the nation of Israel that 
that God was the light, they were put this pure olive oil in the, in the holy of holies. This was, this was to remind them that, that God was their light and their warmth and the spirit of God resided there. But here the oil was applied after the blood, right? And so the instruction was the spirit of God will not come upon someone who has not had somebody sacrifice for them. Right? Men in the Old Testament tried to buy the Holy Spirit without believing in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Spirit comes with the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't get it any other way. This would have been a very powerful display to this cleansed leper and his family. It would have reminded him that he should walk according to God's command. He should be influenced by the Spirit of God. The Shekinah glory of God that would fill the temple should motivate him. After this, there was, there was still oil that remained. And what's interesting here, as you look at this text, the rest of that oil was put on the leper's head. Notice that. Where do we see this? We see this only done with priests and kings in the Old Testament. I mean, this guy has gone from being the dirtbag of dirtbags, living out with the other dirtbags, to now he is anointed like a priest and a king, and he's cleansed and right with God. Is that not us? Somebody give me an amen. amen. I mean, I'm studying this and going, Lord, this is such a beautiful example of salvation of the believer. And what did he choose to illustrate that in the Old Testament? He chose leprosy. The death sentences of disease to show that he could change them and cause them to be anointed people. Over and over, just the word cleanse is over and over through this passage. I, I lost, I've counted them for a while and I lost track. How many times the Bible says cleanse, cleanse, cleansed? We are cleansed from all of our righteous, unrighteousness, right? Six, I've got to keep moving here. Thus, those granted cleansing and atonement experience great joy. Verses 19 and 20, look at that. Here we see the sin offering would show that they are reconciled. See, now God accepts them. They're, they're reconciled and they have a right standing. They're cleansed. They're no longer a leopard. They're cleansed before God. And then there's this burnt offering and grain offering. And this would, would, would teach them that their hearts were to be given to the Lord and the renewed dedication to worship and devotion to God and to thank him for this. See, these are remarkable acts of worship that this now newly cleansed person would give with great joy. This is an amazing passage. I go, there should be a lot of things in the Bible about this. You know, there's one time in the Bible where we actually see this done. I've got to show it to you. Go to Numbers chapter 12. Of all the lepers in the Bible, we only see one. I'm sure there were many. I doesn't mean there, this wasn't done. We see Miriam, Aaron's sister. Remember in chapter 12 of Numbers, they're wandering around the wilderness. And Miriam and Aaron start complaining that they, they want to talk to God. <laughs> they want authority. Verse 3, I love verse 3. It says, now the man Moses was very humble more than any man who was on the face of the earth. Often the humble are, are attacked. 
They know they've been cleansed, and so they're, they're often a little more meeker. They're, they're not throwing their weight around all the time. And Miriam and Aaron here in their flesh begin to demand authority. Verse 5, the Lord shows up in a cloud. Uh-oh. Verse 9, the Bible says the anger of the Lord burned against them. And he departed. But when the cloud was withdrawn from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous, as white as snow. And Aaron turned towards Miriam, beholding she was a leprous. And then Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, I beg you, do not account this sin to us in which we have acted foolishly, in which we have sinned. Oh, do not let her be like, look at this, one dead. Now I'm making this stuff up, brothers and sisters. Leprosy was a teaching of depravity. This is why God uses it. They knew this. Don't let her be like one dead whose flesh is half eaten away when it comes from her mother's womb. I mean, what a graphic teaching of depravity passed on to the next one. Moses cried out to the Lord saying, Oh God, heal her, I pray. But the Lord said to Moses, If her father had put spit in her face, she would not bear her shame for seven days. Let her be shut up for seven days outside the camp, and afterwards she may receive it again. So Miriam was shut up outside the camp for seven days. And the people did not move until Miriam was received again. And it doesn't tell you all the details, but she had to go through all that. That's the only way she got back in. They had to get the birds and the cedar plank and the hyssop and the scarlet thread. And they had to go through all that. She had to be checked by the priest. And, and then she had to come to the tabernacle there that was the tents. And it had to be, that was there. She had to bring the three uh, lambs, two male and a female, and, and, the, and the grain and the oil. And she had to go all through that. And then she was put back into the camp. But not all people showed this type of hard-heartedness. Go back to Luke chapter 17, because I want to show you the one guy who comes back. You already know this, but you've got to look at it again. It's so cool. Luke chapter 17. I left off purposely at verse 15, because I wanted to come back to this guy. See, leprosy hit Miriam because she sinned and wanted to take the place of the mediator. She had no right to do that. There was only one mediator, and it was Moses, just like he was a type of Christ. And so she got leprosy, but we don't know why these men had leprosy. Of course, the Pharisees said they were sinners, and their parents were sinners, and they were deserving of God's judgment. We don't know. I think, like the man who was blind when the disciples said, who sinned this, his parents or him, he said, no one, this was done for the glory of God. This probably, maybe, is a situation like that. And so we come to this man. Remember, these ten are healed. He says, go show yourself to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. Now, I don't know how far they were from, from the gate of the city, but from the point where he says, go show yourself in verse 14 till they get to the gate of the city, they're all of a sudden cleansed. Nothing but creative power to do that. That's a creator. That's giving new skin, blood, cells uh, instantly to do that. Oh, but look at this guy. You got to like this guy. We got to meet him someday, huh? Now, one of them, 
when he saw that he had been healed, turned back. And he glorified God whispering. Is that what the text says? This dude was excited. This is why we go, I, I don't understand people don't sing in church. Praise thy faithfulness, O Come on. <laughs> You've been cleansed. Maybe the rest of them kept running and they just went off to go get their life back and get everything they lost because they've lost so much and it was all about them and all of that. But not this guy, not this guy. He knew his life had been radically changed and he went back to give loud praise to God. And look, we're not a bunch of charismatic, but we should act like it a little bit. I mean, get a little excited about Jesus and what he's done. And this is who he is. And I, and I love this passage. Can't wait to meet this guy. Notice he doesn't just give a loud glorifying to God. He gets to Jesus and he falls on his face at his feet. This is a, a position of absolutely bowing to the authority of the Almighty. That's how this man looks at Jesus. And notice he's given thanks to him. Next week's Thanksgiving. I'm preaching a special message this Sunday on Thanksgiving. I'm going to take a little hiatus from 1 Corinthians. Man, we ought to be on our faces before God this next week and thank him for our salvation, our lives, our spouses, our children, our jobs, our homes, our eternity, all of those things. What a great, what a great holiday for Christians. Notice this. He was a Samaritan. <laughs> He's not even one of God's chosen people. He's his half-breed. He's, he's the dregs. He's the group. They wouldn't even go through their town. They would walk around it. Seven. Oh, goodness. Um, God provides a cleansing that grants equality to all who receive it. Quickly, verses 21 through 32, this is about the poor. See, God provides a path of public proclamation for cleansing for all people, doesn't he? The poor cleansed leper brought his offering. He, and it was different. He brought some turtle doves. You'll see it in there and all that. But he brought the offering to the same place. He did the same manner. He came to the same priest. He was pronounced as, as the same cleansing. He went to the same doorway of the tabernacle. It didn't matter what his ethnic uh, background was, his status uh, politically or, or economically is the word I was after. He's, it doesn't matter who he's from or what he's done, what his background is, he is equally claimed as, as clean from being unclean. And that's what Jesus does. He saves people from every walk of life, all tribes and tongues and economics. He, he saves people from all over. And he brings them the same way. They come the same way. They come through Jesus Christ. They come his way and his truth and his life. They don't come any other way. No matter what your skin color is or what your economic status is, you come through Jesus. And that's why true Christianity, listen, true Christianity pierces through the culture. When they're fighting over social justice, when they're doing all of that stuff, we keep preaching Christ because it goes right through a culture. And it doesn't matter who you're from and what your race is. We are the brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ because he pierced through the culture for us with his cross. I mean, remember that. And I look at this section, I thought, oh, God, you love everyone. 
and you, you bring people to yourself. You draw your elect. They can't escape you. Oh, this is good news. Eight, last one. The redeemed seek to glorify God with cleansed spiritual and physical lives. This section 33 through 53 is a section that deals with leprosy in the houses. And it's a fascinating one. I'm going to go really fast here. Because it's not talking about right them present in, in the wilderness here at the base of Sinai. It's talking about when they get into the promised land. So God has already given them instructions that when I get you into the promised land, when I drive out your enemies, I want you to make sure your houses are clean for me. They don't even have houses right now. They're living in tents. And he's already saying, when you get those houses, because remember the Bible says, I'm going to give you homes you did not build. I'm going to give you vineyards you did not plant. I'm going to bring you into a promised land. And so he says, when you get there, you take care of what I gave you, and you cleanse it. Oh, what a good reminder. All of us that have been blessed with anything from a home to a car, what do we do with that stuff? Is it, does it glorify God? And, and I don't have time to go all through this, but you see in verse 34, he says, I put a mark of leprosy on the house and the land of, the, of, the, of your possessions, <laughs> meaning God didn't just drive them out with the armies of Joshua. Sometimes he sent plagues to those people to drive them out of those lands, and sometimes those houses were infected by what God did. And so he gives a whole list. You can look at this. He gives a whole list of how to cleanse that house out. Because he cared about their sanitary practices. He cared about their health, too. And he cared about them because he's a good shepherd. And he cares about you. And he wants you to live in a house that honors God. And I'm completely over time. And there's a little more to this, but you can see it. And he finally winds this up in verse... Um, oh, I'm in the wrong text. In verse 57. Saying... I'm still trying to get there. This is the law of the mark of the leprosy. In the garments of wool, in the linens, whether warped or in the wolf, whether woven or knitted is the idea, in the articles of leather, leather for pronouncing of clean and unclean. And so what I, what I just end with this, no matter what it is, your own life, what you dress yourself in, what you live in, where you go, God wants us to act and behave like we truly are cleansed. And so, brother and sister, if you have sin in the house, repent of it. Walk away from it. Confess it as sin, repent of it, and turn and flee. God doesn't want that. It isn't representing how he cleansed us. Father, thank you for this time in the word, Lord. We could talk all night about you. You're so glorious. <laughs> You're so worthy of our worship. We're just a bunch of dead people living out with the outcast, and then you cleansed us. You set us free, and we flow away. It's amazing, Lord. So I pray, Lord, that we would not be people who are just so consumed with life right now, consumed with what's so unfair to us, or we don't like what's happening here or there, or how we're being treated, Lord. Oh, Father, help us be like that cleansed leper who just can't do anything but rejoice. And he would give everything he had to thank God for his cleansing. So, Lord, help us think that way. Our minds so easily think of ourselves. Lord, help us die to self and live for you. Thank you for these dear people here tonight. Thank you that they would listen to me tonight.
May the word of God pierce all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.